Keontae George makes his first start. Was it too soon for the youngsters' well-being? Turnovers and defense still ail the Jazz. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We'll talk about Keontae George making his first start as a member of the Utah Jazz in last night's ball game against the Indiana Pacers. We'll talk about uh, the good Jordan Clarkson flaming on finally and getting his vibe on and why that was allowed to happen. Uh, and then we'll look at some of the turnovers and the defensive issues that the Jazz are having with a late game watch of Boston Philly as well as Brooklyn Clippers last night and then Boston Minnesota for the day before. Some interesting things going on with the Celtics. As I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. A few quick notes for you. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. And thank you very much to the everydayers. We are free and available on all podcasting apps, as well as YouTube. And our YouTube question of the day, which is also available, I believe, on Spotify's Q&A for you, is um, what did you think of Keontae George's first start is your YouTube question of the day. few things apologize for yesterday um i just mislabeled something and then when i uploaded it in a rush yesterday was one of those days yesterday was a day where i ordered my salmon salad at 1 30 brought it to my room and ate it at 5 45 in the arena that was yesterday um so i never checked x to see the nice people who told me that i uploaded the wrong episode um so i've actually re-uploaded the old episode it's actually probably a pretty interesting listen because things changed um in that time period with Keontae getting the start and um you could tell that my feeling was something was coming like just that those that opening stretch of the second quarter the other night was significant enough that it was it was time um, with five turnovers in the opening six possessions. Uh, the other one tonight, today, my voice might sound a little different. I'm in a hotel, and I usually am on the um, – our hotel is seems a little smaller than usual. We're in Memphis, and um, if the players are off, and I'm on – some of the players are on my floor. Um, it's not usual, but I had a less than great experience where the first hotel room I got into, um, someone had backed up the toilet, and I hadn't cleaned it. So it didn't smell so good. Yeah, it was gross. Um, and so I um, am in a different route, uh, uh, floor than I usually am. So I'm trying to, if anyone, if any of the guys are sleeping around me, I, I waited till nine to do the show, but I, I don't want to wake them up. So if I'm a little quieter than usual today, that's why. Um, so Keontae got the first start last night. And let's start with the first part of it, which is like, how did he do? And I thought he was fine. Um, I do think he's thinking a lot as a point guard. I think the fact that he was not a point guard, and really I don't know that we entirely drafted him thinking he was going to be a point guard. He was an offensive explosion waiting to happen in his when he was the number four recruit in the country out of Texas and when he went 33-4 and four on his junior year team to win state championship. I mean, he was really a scorer. He was not a point guard until halfway through his senior year when the starting point guard in high school got hurt, and he was not a point guard at Baylor. So I do think we're seeing him think an awful lot. 
Um, I think he can do it. I think he does it naturally. He looks comfortable um, out there. And so I think, you know, all indicators are that's, that's a good sign that he can do it. The second um, thing is I thought he finished, I thought he may have had a goal of trying to make sure that he finished the game with his teammates still liking him <laughs> in the simplest terms. I mean, this goes a little bit to what like Will's really kind of given us an incredible insight into this process. Like one of the things Will talked a lot about was the the 19 year old having to have a voice. I think Keontae's instinct is to score and shoot every time he touches the ball. That's how he has been raised. That's what he's done his entire career. That's what he did. I, I got the vibe watching Baylor that I didn't think that team got along very well. And so he might've dealt with some of this at Baylor. Um, I don't know if that's true. Just watching them, they didn't seem very connected. And so I thought Keontae played the game last night with a little bit of the intention of like, hey, I'm not taking 18 shots. I'm going to make sure that my teammates finish the night and don't think I suddenly tried to become the man. I think we'll see the 18 shots come. Um, I think that's his natural instinct. And as he gets more and more comfortable, we'll see it. Um, This is earlier than I think anyone anticipated. Um, And maybe earlier than, frankly, if we were just being isolated solely on Keontae, that's good for Keontae. Um, it's probably getting a little bit close to like the overdipped Oreo cookie theory. Um, and, but he, he does seem to have just kind of a gumption and an understanding and a flow and a natural aspect of things. But it actually started even before the year started when we started talking about like, we don't have any off the bounce three point shooters other than Jordan Clarkson. Like that's something Keontae can do. We don't have any guys that run the pick and roll. That's something Keontae has shown ability to do. He showed the ability to do all of the things that, that we're lacking in our offensive um, game plan. He throws the pass early. He wasn't driving always with the intention of scoring and then passing second. Um, He doesn't seem to turn it over quite at the same rate. as Some of our other guys have been doing it um, so far. So it, it it became kind of abundantly clear it was going to happen. And then I think it would have been nicer if it had happened in a manner by which like, it was kind of clear when you look at the roster and the way things were happening that the, that, that door was going to open for him. And it maybe it would have been, I guess, ideal if it could have delayed a little bit. So he just was more comfortable and had his footing and had faced more guys and had had a little bit more experience and, you know, had seen a Tyrese Halliburton before, you know, that's a bad example because he's an Eastern conference player, but those kind of things, but that's not the way it worked out. Um, I think the, the play as of late left, like the t- left the door, like blown wide open, um, but maybe unfortunately out of guys, you know, nobody in training step forward. That's kind of one of the things that was clear that no one out of camp, like burst themselves forward on the team, owning, owning some of these positions. And in fact, the matter is that in some ways we've gone, we've regressed um, or not maybe regressed, but found out that the, the task that was being asked of some of the others was just too much and Keontae did look like the one who was most natural doing it and um, at which that point you really are making a team decision the well-being of the team and I do think in some extent if you were making solely a Keontae decision you might have waited still a little bit there there's some risk here um, that he gets exhausted overwhelmed um, has some tough nights coming up and I think we have to be really understanding when we're evaluating it on the fact that he he still could have you know I think it's a little earlier than than you want. And I think you can see he's learning a position while doing it. And that's awfully hard on the NBA level. Um, there were some really positive impacts to it. Partially Walker being out and the floor opening up meant that Jordan got a lot more room to work. And we finally saw Jordan be Jordan. I think playing off the ball, I think not having the burden of having the ball in his hands and having to play. And I think the maybe feeling that the ball might come back around a second time, uh, which there certainly hasn't been a feeling this year that once the ball, if you give up the ball, you're going to see it again. 
So I thought Jordan played a much more comfortable game. He still had six turnovers. Two of them were late, so it's a little skewed in that those two turnovers happened um, in the final two minutes of the game. Um, we still had 21 turnovers, which is really a big problem. We'll talk about it coming up. But it was pretty great to see Jordan flame on. And and more importantly, he played in the flow. He played comfortably. And that's, that's what we've got to have. We can't have Jordan having a three-night stretch like he had um, in that game. And so there were just a lot of things about offensively where the Jazz offense looked a lot better. I mean, through three quarters, the Jazz offense was a 124. Now, Indiana's 26 in the league defensively, and so this was a really good soft landing. And we'll see. We don't play a really good defensive team for a little while, so um, it should be you know a nice sequence here. Portland's terrible defensively. Memphis is short guys, and it's not been as good defensively. Um, so hopefully that'll give you know some more opportunity. But I think that was important to get Jordan going. And I do think the lineup, like not having Walker and John Collins in together, which we talked about on yesterday's show, if you got a chance to watch it on YouTube, but you didn't get a chance to listen to it, my apologies. You know, we were minus 20 together with those two together on the floor, and the spacing was just tough. Um, and I don't think the guys had totally figured out how to space it. The other thing is for John Collins, playing the five is his natural position. I talked about yesterday that I actually wanted to – him maybe move roll into a backup five. He's a really good roller. We saw it a bunch of times last night. The pick and roll has just not been a part of our offense this year, and I think it returns now. With John Collins playing the five, with Walker out for two weeks with the elbow injury, and with Keontae at the point guard, I think we will see the pick and roll coming. I think we'll see the pick and roll with Lowry. I think we'll see the pick and roll with John Collins, and I think that's necessary uh, for this team. It's still hard to space because we don't have a lot of shooters, but that also allows Jordan to play off ball some, maybe Collin to do some of that, though he did not have a great night last night. His head was still down. Uh, when driving and, and got himself in some trouble, um, maybe tailing off the ball as a backup, as the backup point guard, will will get some better matchups. Uh, we saw him bogart a few guys with his strength and power last night. We didn't see, so it felt things felt a lot better last night, and it was interesting to see Keontae. I thought overall, so my uh, my answer to the question today, what my thought of Keontae's first start is, I I thought he played it cautiously and thoughtfully, um, and we haven't seen him let loose yet in the process. Uh, the turnovers and the defense are still major problems, and we will continue and discuss that. We're just getting started here on Locked on Jazz. We'll hit that as we continue. Our friends over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball's host, Josh Lloyd, the number one fantasy basketball show in all of the world, to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft, scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that you're guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who's Josh's pick for this week's eBay guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. All right. Josh has got five guys out there that are super interesting. Brandon Miller, the second pick of the draft, should be starting the rest of the week with Terry Rogier recovering from his groin injury. And he has shown, when I've watched Charlotte, though they are not playing well, uh, he has shown some real skills. They lost to Washington um, last night. Um, so he really, um, and he's got a quick shot release, done some things uh, really impressively there. Um, also, Memphis, Bismack Biombo is now starting with Xavier Tillman dealing with knee soreness, and Biombo could be getting starts bringing boards and blocks to your fantasy team, but that'd be against the Jazz. You might not do that. And keep an eye on the rookie, Jordan Hawkins. He should keep a starting role with the Pelicans as they deal with a myriad of injuries. CJ McCollum is out, and he has been um, hitting some big numbers. The rookie numbers usually fluctuate, so be a little careful on that one. Those are your eBay Motors guarantees of fantasy picks of the week. Josh Lloyd helping you each and every week. And if you uh, uh, are looking for a something for your automobile with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make it with 
eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever it might be, eBay Motors has it. And with an eBay guarantee fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride for the first time, every time, or money back. Plus, at these prices, you'll burn rubber, not cash. eBay Motors, keep your ride or dive alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items apply. Exclusions, exclusions apply. Eligible items only. Make sure you take advantage of eBay Motors with their exclusive eBay Motors Fit and the eBay Motors Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week with Josh Lloyd. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Super appreciate you everydayers that are out there. All right, so the Jazz fall. They go to two and six, two and seven, two and seven. Um, I had called this six-game stretch kind of the bellwether of the season where we got right or didn't, and right now we are pacing toward 18 wins. So we're not getting right. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how this next two with the play in season, in season tournament, this is exactly why we have an in season tournament. Cause I'm now fired up for the Grizzly game tomorrow. Um, and the Blazer game, see if we can grab both of them. The Grizzlies already screwed theirs up by losing to, uh, Portland. So maybe we'll see the, um, the Grizzlies maybe less into the in-season tournament than the Jazz would be um, and take advantage of that. And the Jazz can get the win and get the win on Tuesday against Portland. We have a huge one on Friday trying to see if we can get it. If beat Phoenix, we'd probably get into the eight or at least get close to it. So kind of awesome. Um, so excited for the in-season tournament. So few things are still big issues to the Jazz. One is half-court defense. Now, without Walker for two weeks, this is going to be more significant. We literally have no rim defense anymore. Kelly Olenek, John Collins are not rim defenders. Walker is, Lowry's not bad. Um, and last night, Indiana shot 44 of their 101 shots at the rim. The league averages 33% of your shots at the rim. And Indiana took 44% of their shots at the rim. And that is a crazy number. You, you cannot survive that. And then, frankly, the other issue is if someone's taking 44 shots at the rim and you have Walker, Kessler, Rudy Gobert, well, that that might be somewhat okay but the problem is we don't have walker kessler or rudy gobert at the rim and so therefore um because walker kessler is out and so therefore they're not only getting to the rim but they were they're finishing at a, at a really high rate and it's going to be we are really you know ron boone's talked about this a few times we are really really gonna have to shrink the floor and and shrinking the floor is collectively covering the paint in a manner um that makes it so that guy the teams just can't drive to the basket um, at the rate they're doing. Last night, Indiana's half-court offense, their half-court offense was better than their um, than their uh, transition offense. Um, and this is a transition team, but they, they throttled us in the paint. It's actually, the final number is 45. They shot 30 of 45, 70% at the rim. And if you go by periods, it's interesting. You can see them kind of figure it out as the game went on. Um, in the first quarter, they 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 pounded. They took 10 shots at the rim. And then in the second shot, the second quarter, they took 10 shots at the rim. And in the third quarter, they took nine shots at the rim. And in the fourth quarter, they took 16 shots at the rim. They went 10 of 16 at the rim in the fourth quarter of the game um, and ended up, by the time the night was over, they took 45 shots at the rim. Craziness. Um, but I, I, I'm concerned on this. I don't entirely know what we're going to be able to do. We're going to have to, we're, we're going to have to probably start to allowing a tremendous amount of threes. Um, if if you're going to protect the rim, which is the first place you have to protect, without with John Collins and Kelly Olynyk as your centers, you're going to have to do it 
with massive defensive shifts. And the impact of that is you're going to allow a lot, a lot of threes. Last night, we allowed 43s to Indiana and 45 rim shots. They only took 15 mid-range shots. They they hit the the ultimate shot distribution last night um, almost perfectly of um, 40, 40, 20. Uh, but they were actually better than that. They were 48% of their shots at the rim. They were 38% of their shots as threes. And they were 14% mid-range shots. Like, 40 40 20 is the op is like insane would be 40 percent rim shots 40 percent threes they did 48 percent rim 14 percent mid-range and 38 percent threes that is actually better um the, their half court offense last night was a 108.0 plus they got 31 percent of their offensive rebounds i mean just it's awfully tough um and this is going to be really a big struggle for us defensively to try to figure out how we're going to do this um without without walker it was a struggle frankly before walker got injured um but that's it the easy one is to talk about is that our turnovers are causing us massive problems in transition the, the massive problem in transition is the fact that indiana who does run a lot was in transition 21 percent of the time the fact is that they they actually lost a point and a half in transition because they weren't good in it last night i mean that game could have gotten really really ugly um had we had they executed in transition better, their offense was a 105.0 in the half in the transition and a 108.0 in the half court. So they were better in the half court. Um, the turnovers, frankly, are 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 kind of uh, I I I don't know what word to use. Like, it's one thing you know for me as the like five foot nine play by play announcer to say they're absurd seems like a kind of nasty shot. But like a lot of them are just passing point A to point B and dribbling getting from point A to point B. Like these are not what we should have as turnovers. Um, you want to see, like I've always said, I don't, I'm not bothered by turnovers. But when I've said that, it's always been that the turnover is based on the fact that you're making the same play another two or three other times. It's leading to layups and leading to plays. The turnovers we're having are not turnovers that would lead to plays does that or lead to buckets like we're not making we're not having plays that if you if if that pass was completed we'd have a basket right so if it's the the entry pass to start the offense into the post or the pass down to the wing or to the elbow or pass down to the wing or something like that and it gets taken away for a live ball fast break turnover the other way like that wasn't leading to a basket if a guy's driving the baseline and wants to wrap it around to the corner in a really, really difficult circumstance and is able to make that pass and it leads to an open three. And then the next time it leads to a drive and a kick that leads to a basket. And then the third time it bounces on the baseline or that that'd be fine. But th that's not the turnovers we're having right now. The, the, these turnovers we're having are not turnovers that lead to other baskets that lead to other plays. And so that's tough. Um, and they're just all over the place, right? Jordan had six. Talon had four. Ochai had three. John had two. Kelly had two. To Keontae's credit, he had nine assists and one turnover last night. Like, that's probably super important um, for the Jazz uh, and maybe the most positive aspect of the night. Um, so that's, you know, we've we've got to figure that out. Um, it, it, it may... It may be the bugaboo that's going to restrict some of these guys' development, like, or they have to figure it out to develop. Like, this really might. This is not coaching. Um, this is not systematic. Um, 
on these turnovers. And so guys are going to have to just be more secure with the ball or put them in places where their skills are exposed for not being able to handle it. Um, is the is the probably the best way to say it. The rim defense is going to be a massive uh, schematic changes um, without Walker for two weeks and probably actually long term good. And then I think you know you're going to really probably we're going to give up 40, 45 threes a night. I think that's what you have to do. Um, you can't do what we did last night, which is give up both. You can't have someone having eighty five percent of their shots being smart shots. Uh, Simone Fontecchio was a big, huge positive in last night's game. Um, so give him uh, a great deal of credit. Um, he looked really good. The word has been this entire time that he had probably the kind of the camp that overshot people the most. I think you're going to see him regularly getting time now. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Simone kind of works himself into the rotation by the time Walker is back. Like indirectly, he's getting time right now because they've kind of played it so that you know, he's getting Walker's minutes, uh, not Walker's minutes, but Walker's rotation slot. Simone is, you know, if we're playing 10 men and he's out, walk, Simone was the new one in. Um, I think Simone is going to play himself into the rotation. Um, and then we'll see who, who drops out when Walker comes back in, in a few weeks. Uh, but he was really good last night. He's shooting it well. He plays hard. He plays with super energy, tries to do the right things defensively. He's, you know, he's, not physically imposing, but if he, if you're trying to do the right things, particularly, I think we're going to have to become very schematic defensively. Um, I think that those are really, really, really big positives. All right. Uh, three late game watches coming your direction. Boston, Minnesota from two nights ago. Uh, Boston, Philly last night, and Brooklyn, New York, uh, LA Clippers um, are late game watches that we'll touch on uh, here in just a second. Today's show is brought to you in part by Jace Medical. That's J A. S-E, J-A-S-E medical. So you need to be in control of those kind of key moments um, and those difficult moments and those moments when, um, you know, that uncertainty hits. And that is what Jace Medical is here for you. You go online and Jace Medical, you can receive a 12-month supply of your daily medication. Use the promo code locked on at checkout and you get a discount. One Jay's customer said, I am very thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills and have to have it. I ordered most of my pills meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kit and I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies and I highly recommend this forever. If you or someone you love needs the peace of mind having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. And by the way, you can also get one year supply of ED medications. You realize what that means, bringing on extended travel being on the next natural disaster supply chain issue there could be a real bummer so you are covered my friend you don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for cialis viagra or any of the others and this is possible because of our friends over at jace medical jace also provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use all it takes to get a jace case is fill out a simple online form jump on with a quick call with one of the board certified physicians and you're rolling doctor created and doctor recommended don't get caught unprepared it's jace medical with the promo code locked on you get a 20 dollar discount at the that's j-a-s-e medical.com jace medical.com Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Super appreciate you. All right. I watched three late games last night. 
Uh, we watched the Boston Philly game where Philly actually was totally in control of this game and then almost threw it away late, um, which was a little surprising. Um, Boston's interesting. Earlier this year, I watched Boston and they had Derek White at the top with Chris Porzingis and Jason Tatum in a horn set and Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday in the corners. And it was unstoppable. And my comment was like, okay, this is totally unstoppable, but I wonder how Holiday and Jalen Brown are going to like this. And Jalen Brown last night was having a really, really tough night, finally busted out with two threes late. They didn't run any of that same stuff. And I don't entirely know why. Um, they did have Al Horford on the floor, a lot of that Minnesota close uh, game, and Anthony Edwards definitely went at, and he was monster, um, went at Al Horford. But Boston's lost both these two games. And it was super interesting to kind of see them not run the same stuff that they ran earlier this year. They relied on Chris Stapps a little bit as a pop big. The other one is that in both these two games, Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid were in the middle. And it just took away kind of the spread floor aspect of Boston pushing it and getting into the lane and and really getting to the basket was kind of completely denied by having both Gobert and Embiid. And you didn't see Boston look anywhere nearly as aggressively to the basket or they're they're really when you know when I watched them uh earlier this year you know if it wasn't Drew Holiday getting to the basket if it wasn't um uh, Derek White getting the basket it was Tatum getting the basket and they just spread the floor and they were just coming at you kind of relentlessly it didn't feel that way at all they took 28 shots at the rim in this game um they took uh they went 18 of 28 um they spread them out fairly evenly throughout the night. It wasn't like they just went on a drought at some point. So I'm not, you know, I think that's um, worth keeping an eye on. Tyrese Maxey was really good in this game. Um, Joel Embiid dominated most of the game from the sounds, Brian Scalabrini on the call. Um, but the fourth quarter, Tyrese Maxey was just terrific. He went five of 10, I think for 11 points in the fourth quarter um, and was really running everything through Max and he had to throw up a few prayers. They got super stagnant late and just about cost themselves the game, which was weird. Um, and bead hit one really massive turnaround. The only thing was Embiid only got three shots late, but they they're playing in a nice system. They've got De'Anthony Melton. Who's a good defender. Tyrese Maxey's into you. They're using Covington and Batum who are long off the bench. They've got Embiid. Tobias Harris is a good secondary offense or third offensive player. Kelly Oubre didn't play as much as usual, but Philly's now got the best record in the Eastern Conference and looked and looked really, really good doing it. Um, the Clippers are fascinating. Like, I don't think I could stop watching them. I think I've got to watch them every time they play. They threw up all over themselves in New York in the fourth quarter, and then last night they kind of threw up on themselves again in the fourth quarter. They're now um, – and the fourth quarter's interesting because, like, James Harden checks back in the game – in the fourth quarter last night, they were playing, at one point, they were playing Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, Paul George, and Zubak. That's their starting five. That's their group. They threw P.J. Tucker in there for a little, little bit. Um, so a few things that were just really interesting about the Clippers last night. So one is exactly kind of what I wondered when they made the trade is you suddenly are going at Harden on every possession. Like, they're... Jock Vaughn was running his stuff to, to Mikel Bridges and, and whoever Spencer Dinwiddie had a big shot late and and Sharp made some really nice plays. I mean, Brooklyn played well. Brooklyn made a ton of shots last night. Um, but you know, they're searching out Harden. There was no one you used to be able to search out on that roster. When they had Russell Westbrook and Robert Covington and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Nicholas Batum on the floor, there was no one you could search out. 
Now they're going, you're going to find, you're trying to create a James Harden Zubak pick and roll defense. And, and, and I think it's a problem for the Clippers. The other problem for the Clippers is you're not getting anything out of Harden. So Harden in the, in 10 minutes, the fourth quarter took two shots. He, he came back into the game last night with about six, seven minutes left in the game. And I, maybe he, he checked out. I'll have to look at it. He probably was like four minutes left in the game. Yeah, he he comes back in for Powell with 4.43 left in the game. He doesn't touch the ball. He did not touch the ball, touch the ball until 39 seconds left in the... So he literally went four minutes without touching the basketball. They're not a ball movement team. They're not swinging it. Even they ran they ran a handoff where like Harden gave it to Paul George and then we, or Westbrook gave it to Harden, I think. And like Westbrook runs through and like no one follows Westbrook. Like no one guards him at all in any way, shape, or form. But they're also running it because they're running it at hardened speed at like one third pace. So it's really interesting. Westbrook has to have the ball in his hands or else he has zero gravity and they're not guarding him at all. And then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have to go one on one and they have no room. And Paul George went one for five. It's going to be super interesting to start looking at the numbers of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they're on the floor with both James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And I, I, I don't think I see this working like Westbrook still had the ball the majority of that quarter. And, you know, his numbers look fine, but his impact was not. Um, and that's, I think there's gonna be a massive problem for the Clippers. Um, and then finally on the other end of things, um, you know, just a lot of plays made a lot of hustle plays. Brooklyn just, just out hustled them in, in a ton of different ways, um, in that game. So that's going to be fascinating to watch and we will certainly keep an eye on it. All right. That's your late game. Watch. I'll be watching a bunch more today, getting ready for the jazz and the Grizzlies. We're going to do an ask LOJ tomorrow. So look for my, uh, requests on X for your ask LOJ questions tomorrow on the program. Thanks so much for listening to locked on jazz and being a part of the locked on jazz family. And for you every day, you're the best.